Happy Thanksgiving! This is episode 181 of the Deeper Christian Podcast, the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, we are going to conclude our three-part series talking about Thanksgiving. Let's dive in. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking through a mini-series on the idea of Thanksgiving. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to those as we kind of flesh out this idea of Thanksgiving itself, biblically. Well, in today's episode, I want to talk about the idea of the communion of Thanksgiving. Well, for my Daily Thunder series at Ellerslie, I preached a message on Thanksgiving today, kind of giving a reminder or a overview of what we talked about in the previous Deeper Christian episodes, as well as talking about the communion of Thanksgiving. Well, I just thought it'd be fun to play that audio for you because not only does it summarize kind of the past two lessons that we walked through here on Deeper Christian, but it also just kind of expands this idea and deepens it as we talk through this idea of the communion of Thanksgiving. Well, without further ado, let's jump into scripture as we talk about this phenomenal reality of Thanksgiving. Again, Thanksgiving is not a thing that we do and then we kind of wipe our hands and then we're kind of done with it. Thanksgiving is supposed to be a lifestyle thing. It's supposed to be done all the time in every place, in every circumstance, in every situation. And uh, let me give you a few verses on that. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever you do, we are to be giving thanks. I just love that thought. So whether it's good or whether it's bad or whether it's ugly, thanksgiving should be bubbling forth out of our life. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to give thanks always and for everything. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, which we've been walking through in the Christian Mindset series, says again, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And of course, we've been walking through that series. The idea was that nothing in your life is to produce anxiety or fear or worry or trepidation. Rather, everything should be pressing you into the reality of Jesus Christ. And what should be bubbling forth out of that is thanksgiving and prayer. So what would it look like then in every circumstance, it didn't press us down. Every circumstance instead pressed us to Jesus and caused this abundance, this, this exuberance, this thankfulness within us. And just for clarity, it doesn't mean that we have to be thankful for every situation, but we can be thankful in the situation. I don't know if that made sense. I think there's an important distinction that if I get cancer, I don't have to say, Woo, Jesus, thank you for the cancer. I mean, maybe I should be saying that. But the reality is, is I, I don't have to be thankful for every single thing as much as I need to be thankful in that thing. That while I'm in the middle of cancer, Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to press into you. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity just to, to bask in the reality of who you are. That, that's kind of the idea. So again, Thanksgiving then, <clears throat> biblically, is at all times, in all places, in all situations, in all circumstances, and everything in my life is pushing me under this reality of Thanksgiving and praise and adoration and worship and and wouldn't that be neat if Thanksgiving was not a day of the year that we celebrate as much as the lifestyle of the Christian that just bubbled forth out of every moment of every day of our, of our lives? Love that idea. 
Uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, uh, we are told that thanksgiving is to abound. Uh, Colossians 2, 7 says that we are to be rooted and built up in Jesus and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And that word abounding means like plentitude. It means an abundance. It means a large quantity. It means this excessiveness. It means what would it look like if, <clears throat> again, in every situation and every circumstance, there was this abounding of thanksgiving in our souls. That something just came up in and out of our lives that came out as thanksgiving. That, that's the idea that, that uh, Paul's talking about. So again, thanksgiving biblically is all times, in all situations, in all circumstances, everything you do, we are, to, we are called to give thanks. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.15, we're told that thanksgiving is supposed to increase and is for the glory of God. So listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4.15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So could you imagine, here's God, he gives you this abundant grace. He just pours forth his, his elaborate waterfall of grace upon your life. And what does that end up doing? Well, it should cause this increase of thanksgiving. That as I'm walking through life and I'm beginning to experience God's grace and his provision and his redemption in my life, in all circumstances, then it begins to bubble forth as, wow, God, you are so good. Wow, God, you saved me from this, this problem. Wow, I had victory over this temptation. You realize the Christian life should be just one of thanksgiving. Why? Because we actually have the, the grace of the Lord, our God, on our side. So as we live by the grace of God, what ends up happening is, well, we start living in victory, and we start living in triumph, and we start living in peace, and we start to have joy in all circumstances, and we start to, and that should bubble forth as thanksgiving. I love that idea. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, says that thanksgiving is a part of God's will for you. So have you ever wondered, oh, what is God's will for my life? Oh, I can tell you. Biblically, it's simple. Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, that idea of rejoice always, uh, the actual word has this idea of leaping associated with it. So that in every situation, there is to be this leaping in your soul. Well, what happens if there's bad stuff? Jump, leap, be exuberant. Why? Because, hey, when the world presses you down, again, we talked about this in Philippians, but again, it's the trampoline idea. When the world puts pressure upon you and is forcing you downward, it really just causes you to zoom higher if you leverage it, right? So the, the, the more bounce you push down on the trampoline, the higher you go. So what if every pressure that the world puts upon you only causes us to leap all the more in Jesus? Now, again, it doesn't mean like, wow, God, thank you, the fact that I just, I have no money in my bank account. I mean, Again, I don't think it means we have to be thankful for every single thing as much as to be thankful in it. Lord, I trust you in the middle of my fact that I have no finances. Lord, Lord thank you the fact that I, I have this privilege of depending upon you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that I have to see you provide all that I need. And I trust you. So thank you for the circumstance. Not because I'm delighted in the circumstance, but the fact that I got to trust you in the midst of the circumstance. Wow, Jesus, thank you for the flat tire. Well, not because I have the flat tire, but because I get to trust and see your provision in the midst of the flat tire. So maybe you're trying to do something beyond just a flat tire in my life. Does that make sense? So again, it's this idea of, hey, what would happen if, if I would put my gaze upon Jesus 
And again, it comes back to the only way that, that Thanksgiving is ever going to become a lifestyle for the Christian is we've got to know our God. We've got to know what he's doing in our life. It's the uh, Romans 8.28 principle. When I know that he is working all things for my good, for his purpose and his plan, then I can trust him in all things, that I can relax. Now, I've been listening to uh, Corey, Tim's, Corey Tim Boom's book, Trant for the Lord Again. And I don't know if you've ever read the book, but it is such a powerful enunciation of God's provision. And over and over and over, here's Corey Tim Boom. And uh, she's like, well, I feel like I'm, going to, I'm supposed to go to America. And I'm supposed to speak. Where are you going? I don't know. I just feel like that's where I'm supposed to go. How are you going to get there? I don't know. But she just she shows up and she just goes, well, if God wants me there, he'll provide. He'll give me the visa. He's going to somehow supply the means for me to get there. And, and you start watching her story and you're like, Weird thing after weird thing after weird thing starts happening, and you're like, why does it work for her? But she had such a childlike dependence upon her father. And just like a child can trust that the father's going to provide for a child, Corey just said, he's my dad. So if I sense that he's calling me to America to go speak, he'll provide what I need. And if that's not where he wants me to go, fine, he'll, he'll take me over there. So what would it look like if we had that kind of trust and dependence upon our God to the point where we can just say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. That in the flat tires of our lives, we just go, oh, we can actually have peace. That we can actually be thankful in those situations because we know that God is doing something in the midst of them. And you know what God's will for your life is? Rejoice always. Hey, you're to leap. Pray without ceasing. This constant intimacy and communion with Jesus. And you're to be giving thanks in all circumstances, which means you've got to know your God. Because the only way to give thanks in every circumstance, whether it's good or the bad or the ugly, is you've got to trust your God. You need to know who he is. You've got to say, Lord, I, I don't understand the circumstance that I'm in the middle of, but Lord, I do trust you. And I'm expecting for what you're wanting to do in this day. <clears throat> in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, <clears throat> there's this whole idea. <clears throat> man, excuse me. Uh, in Ephesians 5, 4, there's this whole idea of the language of thanksgiving. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is setting up this contrast. And he's talking about the domain of the world or the domain of darkness. As he would say in Colossians, it's, it's the kingdom of the world. And he's contrasting that with the kingdom of God. And he's going through all these examples of, okay, here's what the kingdom of the world looks like. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like. So he says, hey, take off the former living. Hey, take off the former self. Take, take off the old. Take off the world stuff and put on the reality of Jesus and his kingdom. And so he's going through a whole bunch of examples in chapter 4 and chapter 5. One of the examples that he gives in chapter 5 is that of the language or the conversation in heaven. And he says, do you know what, do you know what the conversation or the communication of the world looks like? He says, uh, in fact, if you have your Bibles, you can quickly turn there. But in, a, in Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> uh, verse 4, he says, Hey, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse joking, which are not fitting. Instead, give thanks. So again, he's setting up a contrast. He says the world, if you look at the communication of the world, the world is full of filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse joking. Right? It's just full of depravity. It's full of darkness. It's, it's full of hatred. It's full of lies. It's full of deception. And all you got to do is turn on the news to see what I'm talking about. What is it all about? It's, it's deception. It's just... It's darkness kind of stuff. It's, uh, look, look at the, the movies that call themselves comedies. How, how do, why are they called comedies? It's because they actually take things that are good and noble and twist them. 
And then we find delight in bathroom humor and in this twistedness. That's actually not humor, right? There's actually, Christians should be the happiest, most joy-filled, laughing people on earth. But not because we take that which God created to be good and twist it and laugh at the perversion. Rather, we laugh at the delight of life itself, right? So what does the world talk about? Well, it's all about perversion, what does the world talk about? Well, it's all about coarse joking and, and the jesting and the, and the perversion and the darkness and just that kind of stuff. Paul says that is not right for a Christian. Hey, that doesn't fit in, in, in the mode of a Christian. What goes on in the life of a Christian? Thanksgiving. And so the conversation of heaven then, isn't that interesting? That the language of heaven is that of rejoicing. The language of heaven is thanksgiving. The language of heaven is that of constant just adoration of who our God is. Why? Because when you're in the kingdom of God, he becomes the focus. He becomes the delight. He becomes the essence. He's the center of this thing. And if he is your focus, you can't help but give thanks. Because you're so wrapped up in the reality of who he is. It just You can't stop yourself. So when darkness is your focus and when the world is your delight and, and the twistedness of, and the perversion of this whole thing is, is the center of your life, well, that's obviously what's going to come out of your heart, what's going to come out of your mouth. But when God is wrapped up in your life and, and you're just consumed with Jesus and you're just obsessed with him and he's your delight, well, that, that's what's going to just bubble forth out of your heart and come out of your mouth. And how's it going to express itself? Oh, in thanksgiving. So even the conversation of a Christian is marked by thanksgiving. So we're to give thanks at all times, in all circumstances, in all situations. Hey, thanksgiving is to abound out of our life. It is the will of God for you. In fact, it is supposed to be the conversation, the language of your life. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the other day I was looking uh, on my website and, and I was trying to find a piece of what I was going to talk about today. I'm going, oh, where did I put that? Because I know I had talked about this years ago. And as I was reading through, I found it, and I was reading through this idea I came across, I was like, that's actually, I really like how this is said. So I'm going to read a quote from myself, which sounds really weird. Uh, but this is what I wrote. I just liked how it was said. What would your life look like if all the complaining, frustration, anxiety, problems, issues, circumstances, griping, distress, confusion, criticizing, and grumbling were swallowed up in a life of thanksgiving? If the fragrance of your life was Jesus rather than the stench of yourself. I just thought that was interesting. What would it look like if the reality of our life as a Christian actually was marked by thanksgiving? That we were known as the people who gave thanks. The people who were full of joy. and We, we weren't grumbling. We weren't just bitter. We weren't just, oh, look at the days ahead. We, weren't, we were actually delighted because we could trust our God. That in the middle of COVID, we could be, woo, thank you, Jesus. Not because we have to deal with COVID, and not because, you know, we're running out of toilet paper and, and not because of all the craziness in the culture, but I'm giving God thanks for the fact that in the middle of this, I get to focus on him. That there's actually more opportunity in, in the people's souls that they're starting to realize life is desperate, which means they're now open to the gospel. That, the, that, that because of what's going on, we were, we were talking about this last night in our prayer time with the church, but it's like so interesting to me that because of all the stuff that's been swirling, at least here, it's like we're being pressed into Jesus on a whole nother level. And then the yearning for purity and righteousness and, and repentance and revival is increasing. 
And and I've been watching the prayer lives and, and the hunger of this group just increase. Why? Because of the pressure going on. And we're looking at the election stuff and we're looking at the COVID stuff and we're looking at all the craziness and the lawlessness and the fear and the deception and the hatred. And what is it doing? It's actually purifying us. So, hey, we can give God thanks for that. Hey, God, thank you that in the middle of all this craziness, you are still God, that you are on the throne, and we do not have to vote on that. You are still King of kings and Lord of lords. That, Lord, even in the midst of all the craziness and even in the midst of all the lawlessness and even in the midst of you know, the stay-at-home rules, that whether or not we obey them, right? We, regardless of the, the face mask stuff and regardless of that, I can actually be thankful for this stuff. Why? Because God is actually doing something in the middle of this. He's going to leverage this for our good. So what if we could be thankful in all things? What if we weren't people who were grumbling and complaining and frustrated and full of anxiety and worry and fear? Instead, all of that would press us, again, Philippians 4, 6, to this reality of knowing Jesus, getting wrapped up in the reality of who he is, and thereby giving him thanks. And boy, if we started living this way, I think people would have to call us Christians. Wouldn't they? Because I don't know anybody else who's living this way. And biblically, if you saw someone living this way, you go, you are not normal. They wouldn't be. In this culture, if you started living like this, you'd be crazy. And thereby, we'd probably have to call you a Christian because Christians don't look like the culture. And isn't it interesting that in the early church, Christians were easily identifiable from the world. It was clear those who were Christians because they did not look, talk, act, think like the rest of the world did. And I think for the first time, at least in, in our generation, the separation between world and Christian is becoming more and more evident, which is actually a privilege, which probably is going to lead to persecution. Because at some point, the world's not going to like all this stuff. And it sounds funny, but they're not going to put up with all the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the self-control. Because what happens is when you live this way, it puts pressure upon the world. And either the world has to buy into it and get in on this thing, or they have to shut it down and silence it. So what you see in the early church is that, hey, the more the Christians began to live Christianity, the, the essence and the reality of the word, that it began to put pressure upon the world, thereby the church exploded because either they got, you got in on it, but so did persecution, right? Because the ones who did not want to get on it had to silence this thing. That's actually great news for our day. Because I don't know about you, but we desperately need a revival. We desperately need a movement of God in this, in this generation. And so I'm excited for the fact that maybe for the first time ever, in, at least in American or Western world stuff, Christians actually get to live as Christians. Exciting days. <clears throat> so come back into this idea of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, at all times, in all circumstances, in all places, in all things, it's a lifestyle thing. Again, this is not a celebration we do one day a year. And I'm very thankful for this day. I'm very excited for turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and pie and rolls. And we could just keep going on, green bean casserole. And I don't know what else you're having for lunch and dinner and breakfast and all that stuff. But, but I'm excited. Why? This is a good day. And, and I love this idea of, you know, that Thanksgiving is full of fun and festivities and friends and family and food. You know, it's, it's a good day. But the reality, biblically, is that Thanksgiving is not a day that we celebrate. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle in which we live. And what would it look like if we took the reality of this day and dragged it into the everyday of our lives? 
It's interesting when you go into the Old Testament and look up at the word thanksgiving, the word thanksgiving in the Old Testament in Hebrew is closely associated with the idea of to bless. So you walk up to somebody and you bless them, put your hand on the head, that kind of idea, and you bless them. That, that word, thanksgiving, is associated with this idea of to bless. In fact, the, the Hebrew word itself is derived from the word that means to praise or confess. So what do you do in thanksgiving? Oh, you're confessing. You're, you're giving praise. That's kind of the Old Testament idea. In the New Testament, the word of thanksgiving is eucharistia or eucharistio, and that word is tied to this idea of grace. In fact, when you look at the root word of thanksgiving or giving thanks, the root word of thanksgiving in the New Testament is the word grace itself, which is an incredible thought. That what is thanksgiving? It is an, a, it's a celebration of grace. In fact, it's really interesting to me that the word for thanksgiving in the New Testament is eucharistio or eucharistia, which if, if you're from certain traditions in the church, that sounds like a word that you would know which is the word Eucharist. And again, if, if you're not from those traditions, it's the Lord's Supper. So in some churches, right, we, we have the Eucharist or the Lord's Table or what we would call communion, right? It's the Last Supper kind of stuff. <clears throat> well, what do we do at communion? Oh, we gather together, right? We take the bread, we, we take the, the juice or the wine, right? And, and we have a celebration. Well, that's at least what it's supposed to be, right? And we are celebrating the life of Jesus, that we are gathering together corporately and we're celebrating the life of Jesus. Well, where does that even come from? Well, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> Again, you can see this in any of the accounts, but we'll just look at the Luke 22 one. In Luke chapter 22, uh, <clears throat> again, Jesus is at toward the end of his life. <clears throat> he's getting to the last final days. He's, he's about to be betrayed, and he's gathered with his disciples in the upper room to take the Passover. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, it says that when the hour had come, he, Jesus, and the 12 apostles with him sat down. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will never eat it, eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he eucharistioed. He gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves for I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, then he took the bread, and when he had eucharistioed, given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remember, remembrance of me. In like manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Isn't it interesting that here's Jesus, he, he's in the upper room of the disciples, he just washed their feet, and he gathers them together and says, oh, we're going to celebrate the Passover. But really, we're not going to be celebrating the Passover as much as we're going to be celebrating me. And so he takes the bread and says, hey, this is my body broken for you. He takes the cup. This is my blood spilt for you. And he says, in both of those things, he gave thanks. That's actually where we get that word Eucharist. That what, what is the communion meal? What, what is it? It's a Eucharist. It, it's a time of giving Thanks. So again, as we gather together for communion with the body of Christ, what are we doing? We're actually having a Thanksgiving service. Hey, we're, we're coming together and having a celebration going, Woo! Isn't Jesus phenomenal? That he died upon the cross for our sins. He rose again. And now we get to have life because of him. And that's actually what we're doing in communion. It's interesting when you actually look at this idea of communion. The whole idea of communion is an exchange thing. It's a covenantal thing. That, that what we're saying in communion is, 
Jesus, I, I have your body and your blood, and I'm going to partake of your body and your blood, symbolically. Right? We're not literally taking his body and his blood. But it's symbolic. <clears throat> and when I take his bread and I, and I eat the bread, right? Symbolic, we are saying, hey, just as this bread goes into my mouth and begins to infuse itself in every cell of my body, just as it gives me nourishment and energy for life, Jesus, you can have my energy for, my, for, for your life. That I get to partake of your life, but you get to have my life. Hey, Jesus, as I, just, as I take this cup and it's symbolic of your blood that you spilt for me, Lord, I'm actually telling you in exchange, have my blood. Hey, do with my life whatever you want. So, Lord, I'm, I'm offering myself as a sacrifice to you, holy and pleasing to God, which is my spiritual act of worship. So isn't it interesting in communion, not only is it actually a Thanksgiving service, not only is it a celebration, it's actually an exchange where I'm saying, my life for yours. Jesus, you gave me your life. Lord, I want to give you back my life. And, and just as I partake you and you're going to give me the energy of life within me, Lord, take my life and use my life however you want to be. It's that great old hymn, take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Right? Like Take this mind, take these hands, take these feet, take this mouth and use it for your purpose and your plan and for your glory. So Lord, just go crazy. Because I, if I get to go crazy with your life and I get to partake and share of your life, I'm giving you mine. Isn't that a neat thought? That communion really is an exchange idea. It's not just a Thanksgiving celebration. It is. But it's a, it ex, it's a, it's a covenantal thing. It's an exchange kind of thing. So the next time you take communion, you better have a smile on your face. Now, it is serious, right? We do need to confess our sins, right? We, we do need to come with reverence and, and holy trembling. That's all true. But hey, this is a Thanksgiving service. And I don't know if it'd be appropriate in the service, but if you want to hoot and holler, I think that would actually be good. In the midst of taking it, woo, Jesus, this is going to be exciting. I mean, I don't know if, that, if the church would like that, but I mean, I think that's what we should be doing. I mean, most Thanksgiving or most communion services I go to are very somber. Oh, verily. Let's, you know, we have quiet music playing so we can ponder, which is not, none of that's bad. That's actually good. But, but one of these days, I want to go to a, thanks, or a, a communion service where we start singing an upbeat song, you know, someone starts banging the keys of the piano, we start singing boisterously at the, you know, top of our, top of our, uh, top of our voices, and just, Jesus, we thank you. Because that is what we're doing. We're giving him thanks for his life and his, for his death and for the salvation that we get to experience. It is the celebration of the gospel itself. So really quick, uh, three ways to develop a life of thankfulness. So if you're wanting to, okay, how, how, do I, how do I develop a life of thankfulness? I'm, okay, I understand I'm told to be thankful in all circumstances, in all situations, and all that kind of stuff. How on earth am I going to develop that thing? Well, maybe one, you need to turn your focus on Jesus, just, just as thought. Because the only way you're going to be thankful is when you turn upward. So what if we would turn our gaze upward and ponder Jesus? And the more we begin to ponder Jesus, the more you would find yourself giving thanks and praise. The more you begin to recognize that he's involved in every situation, every circumstance of your life, we, the more we understood the Romans 8.28 thing, the more we could give thanks in all circumstances. So why don't we take some time today, especially of all days, this day, and turn our gaze upward and say, Jesus, oh, I just, I just want to thank you. And, and I want to encourage you, why don't you just make a list of things that you're grateful for God for? What has he done in your life? What has he saved you from? What has he kept you from? What, what, is he, what is he doing? What is he growing in your life? What passions and, and desires has he been planting within you? What, what goodness is, is he in your life? 
I mean, just think about his character and his nature. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the one who provides. Right? He, he is our shepherd. He, he's, the, he's our bread. He's our life. He's the truth. He's the way. He's the, I mean, you could go on forever on this thing. And he is so good. Shouldn't we be thankful just pondering his goodness? So if I can encourage you, if you want to develop a life of thankfulness, you've got to turn your gaze upward and ponder Jesus and keep your focus steadfast upon him. Uh, perhaps another idea is not just to turn upward, but to turn outward. And wouldn't it be neat if you would turn outward to the people around you and said, okay, what if I could purposely find ways to give thanks for the people around me? And whether it's written or whether it's verbal, why, why don't you find a way to show people how grateful you are? Man, I just really appreciate you and all the stuff that you've done here or that one instance that, that you did back in the day. I just want to say thank you for that. Or why don't you share some of the ways that you're seeing God work in their lives and, and how you see them grow and mature and develop. That is so encouraging because a lot of times we don't see our own growth, right? Because growth is slow, <laughs> typically, which is why kids get excited when, you know, every few, every few months they get to, you know, put their head against the back of the wall and write in their little mark. Why? Because if you, if you do it every single day, it's not going to look that impressive. But if you give it a little bit of time, you're like, whoa, I grew a whole centimeter, Right? And that becomes exciting. Well, the same thing's true in our spiritual life. Because we're walking through it day by day, a lot of times we don't see the growth. And sometimes it's helpful for someone to say, I don't know if you've recognized this, but you're talking different. You, somehow your, your attitude is just a little bit different. You're, you seem more obsessed with Jesus. And can I just encourage you, keep, keep pressing into that. Man, I'm just so excited with what God's doing in your life. And what's interesting is the more you start turning outward, and being grateful for the people around you, the more you start noticing the things that you should be grateful for with the people around you, which means you're starting to cultivate a life of thanksgiving. And you're being known as a person who is thankful. There's the thought. So turn upward, turn outward, and I really don't like the language of the third one, <laughs> but I don't know what other language to use. I, 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 I use turn inward, but that sounds horrible. It sounds like anti-Christian in my mind. So if you have a better term, I'll take it, but the idea is, why don't you just reflect in your own mind all the stuff that you actually are grateful for? Why don't you spend some time today and say, okay, I want to make a list of a hundred things that I'm grateful for. Try it. And it's interesting, the first 20 will probably be pretty hard. The first 10 will be easy because you're like, I'm thankful for my family and for warm weather and for beaches, right, and for food. And then you get to like numbers 20 through 40 and you're like, what else am I thankful for? And you're just like, oh no. <laughs> you know? But what's interesting is by the time you get through like 50 or 60, suddenly you start going, oh, there's actually a, a lot of things. And when you start walking through the, your life and your history, you start recognizing, you know what? God is actually so good. He is so great. All the stuff that he's done for me, all the things that he's saved me from, all the things that he's currently doing, the people in my life that I can be grateful for, experiences that I've had and things that I haven't experienced, that I can be thankful for, that I didn't never experience that. It, isn't it? Well, there is so much we can be grateful for. So, so how can you develop a life of thanksgiving? Well, turn your gaze upon Jesus. Just, just be obsessive with Jesus. Look, look outward around us and say, okay, how, how can I encourage the people around me and be thankful and grateful and show appreciation to them? And then what if I would even develop a habit of just pondering one or two things every day that I'm grateful for? Jesus, thank, thank you today for the sunrise. Wow, that was beautiful this morning. Lord, thank you that today is Thanksgiving and I have an excuse to eat a lot of good food. Mm, thank you, Jesus. 
or whatever be in your life, right? So why don't we just cultivate the habit of thankfulness? Because again, we as Christians are to be thankful in all circumstances at all times for all things. So maybe just as a way to end this whole thing is I just want to spend some time being thankful. And what I mean by that is I just want to read a whole bunch of Psalms of Thanksgiving. Again, the whole book of Psalms is just a, it's a worship book, right? It's, it's the Psalter. And uh, it's just a book of praise and worship and adoration. And uh, there's a lot in the Psalms about Thanksgiving. And uh, I just want to read a bunch of verses to you, and I just want us to ponder the goodness and the graciousness of our God. Uh, so I'll just read these to you and just enjoy them. Psalm 26, 7, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Psalm 50, verse 14, offer to God thanksgiving. Psalm 69, 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 75, 1, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks for your wondrous works declare that your name is near. Psalm 92, verse 1 and 2. It is good to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Uh, Psalm 95, verse 2 through 3. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. Psalm 107, verse 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 100 is actually called a psalm of thanksgiving, which is kind of neat. So let me just read the whole psalm, since this is a psalm of thanksgiving, and we'll just end with this. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. And it is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do give you thanks. Oh Lord, I pray that this would not be the single day this year where we are grateful. Lord, I ask that this would not be the only day this year that we just ponder what we are thankful for. And yes, I, I think we should spend some time today being thankful, but, but Lord, could you, could you take this idea of thankfulness and gratitude and joy and appreciation and praise and let it be the lifestyle, the language of our lives. Lord, could you somehow take this reality of knowing you and knowing all that you've done in us and through us and all of your goodness, and could we truly be people who bubble forth with thanksgiving every moment of every day for all things? That regardless of circumstance, regardless of situation, regardless of problem, regardless of what's happening around us, Lord, we can give thanks in the middle of it because we know that you are in the middle of it. So Lord, would you turn our gaze toward you? Would you somehow capture us, our affections afresh? Would you somehow allow us to behold you? And as we behold you, oh, would we be thankful for all that you have done. Lord, let us be thankful for your life, your death, 
your resurrection, your ascension, the outpouring of the Spirit. Lord, let us be thankful for the power of the gospel and that it is efficacious to change our lives. Lord, let us be thankful for the power of your blood. Lord, let us be thankful for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be thankful for the body of Christ, the church around us. Lord, let us be thankful for our friends and our families. Let us be thankful even for these crazy circumstances upon which we find ourselves. Because, Lord, it's when pressure is placed upon us that oftentimes we are forced to depend and surrender and to trust and to focus upon you all the more intently. So, Lord, I pray that this day, though it is a day of thanksgiving, would merely be just another day in the life of thanksgiving that we have as believers. And so, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your character and your nature. We thank you for your great and precious promises. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this world. We thank you that you desire that all men might be saved. We thank you that you have not left us alone. Thank you that you call us children. That we are not servants, we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Lord, may we behold you afresh today. May the word just come alive to us as we behold you. And may we be thankful. Lord, we want to live a life of thanksgiving. And Lord, I'm convinced the only way we're ever going to be able to do that is when you become our focus, when you become our delight. So Lord, would you increase in our vision and our gaze today? Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the adoration with all thanksgiving. In your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. On this very special Thanksgiving, I hope that despite all the craziness and all the stuff that's going on in the world, you and I could be thankful. And again, it's not about circumstance. It's not about situation. We are to be thankful in all situations at all times for all things. So let Thanksgiving not just be a day that we celebrate here in America. Rather, let us live the lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Let us delight in the communion of Thanksgiving with Jesus Christ. Well, for show notes of this episode, including a list of all those verses that I talked about in the message, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 181 for episode 181. And until next time, know I am deeply thankful for you. Thanks for taking your time to join me on this podcast. I don't take that time for granted. But know that I am not only thankful for you, but I am praying for you and cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.